Welcome in. This is the live chat for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. I'm Rick Gaiman. This is presented by Jock Market. We'll talk more about them in just a few minutes, but for the next hour or so, I'm going to go through all your questions, whatever you want to talk about, all things related to this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Drop your questions, comments, concerns into the chat. We will go through as many as possible. Also, there is a second live chat tonight. This one's at eight. Uh, the next one's at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. It's the Jock Market Power Hour. That is Stock Market DFS again. I'll talk, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, while you're here, hit the like button. Goes a long way for me. Costs you nothing. Thank you very much. Let's jump into the questions. And it is no surprise. Uh, I actually should probably save this question for like 10 minutes for now when more people are in because the Justin Suh question uh, is going to be a popular one. There is a lot to unwrap here and Matt gets to the question first. He was not available, says Matt, for your early week stuff. That is correct. Aside from having a lot of hype prior to going pro, what does he do well? What kind of form is he in? Let's unwrap Justin Suh. And then for the rest of the show, when there are Justin Suh questions, I can say rewind to the very beginning. That's when we talked about it. He is, uh, of course, very highly touted. Came out of that group with um, Morikawa, Wolf, Hovland, right? Same graduating year. They're all up there on stage together. It has not gone the same way for Justin. Now he is playing this week is going to be his last sponsors exemption uh, that he can use up unless he gets special temporary membership status. To do that, he needs about a T8 or better approximately. He needs like 82, 83 FedEx cup points to get special temporary membership. So he has incentive, not that this incentive did not exist, but he gets added to the player pool because Camilo Villegas withdraws. So now he's in the field and he's $6,100 incredibly cheap. You start to look at some of the other guys in that range and you're talking about, I mean, the min price guy, I mean, Ryan Armour, Ryan Brem, uh, Zinjun Zhang. I mean, they're, they're just, they're nobodies. So what do we know about Justin? So, well, he does not play a lot. Let me show you the tools here. And of course, all the tools, everything you see, at least for the most part, is going to be from rickrungood.com. But for this, I'm going to bring up the official World Golf Rankings because this is going to show you across all tours what Justin Suh has been up to, and it's not much. He has not really been playing competitively. So uh, in this calendar year, he has played four times in events that would crack into the official World Golf Rankings. That's PGA Tour. It's Corn Ferry Tour. It's any of these uh, Latin American tours that he that he might play. Um, and he's only played four times. He has not missed a cut. Three on the PGA Tour, one on the Corn Ferry. He did play the Zurich. That doesn't show up here. He played the uh, the partner event, the team event with, with Doug Gim. They made the cut there as well. So he's making cuts. You could argue that at $6,100, if he makes the cut, you are absolutely thrilled with that result. What does he do well? What does he not do well? Let's go to the Holy Grail here. We'll go by tournament and we'll search for Justin Suh. Well, uh, believe it or not, and if we actually just do like 2021 season, those are like those couple of events that I'm looking at. He technically ranks uh, first in strokes gained approach and second in strokes gained putting, but pump the brakes because he has eight measured rounds, eight. That is it. And the, a lot of the events that he played, Puerto Rico, Punta Cana, the Zurich, there is no strokes gain data from those events. Bermuda included in there as well. So really we're looking at his eighth place finish at the Shriners in which he struck the heck out of it. We're looking at his 37th place finish at the Farmers in which he was a bit more reliant on the short game. And the putter has been good in his two measured starts. This is going to be entirely up to you on what you are going to do with Justin. So I am projecting him to be about 9% ownership, nine and a half, something like that. I think it's only going to be the, the community in the know that's going to play him. I think a lot of people aren't going to realize that he's down at the bottom. Most people don't scroll down that far. They they're, they're just going to see that Justin. So hot, you know, they're not even going to see it. Our community is going to see it. So if you made me guess, I think he probably comes in lower than 9%, but that's what I'm projecting him at right now. It would open up a lot of flexibility. It certainly would. Uh, if you wanted to get a $6,100 guy and if he makes the cut, you're thrilled about it, but there is just a very small sample size, Matt. So 
That is the Justin Sell rant. I've now covered it. I don't think we have to talk about it again, uh, but it, it's it's a dilemma. Big time Wednesday dilemma that you're going to have to figure out. Good good luck. AJ says, oh boy, Will Gordon has popped up in some of the models I've run this week. Not someone I had any intention of using. Do you see any upside in him besides a low price slash ownership? Wow. Will Gordon is not a name that we have done a deep dive on in quite some time. He tried that. Uh, that that special temporary membership run. Remember when he had that finish at the Travelers, I want to say it was, uh, last year. So let's see what he's done recently. The good news is um, the strength of his game is the driver. You can see in his last five measured events or six measured events, he has gained strokes off the tee. That is really good. I'm not showing my screen. There you go. That is really good for Quail Hollow, a place that we know you've got to be gaining strokes off the tee. So that is at least a good sign. The concerning thing would be the fact that he has not gained strokes on approach in any measured event since the American Express. Now, there's been a couple of weeks in there where we don't have the strokes gain data, and he made the cut at Punta Cana, so it's possible that he gained strokes on approach there. It's possible that he gained strokes on approach at Puerto Rico, but that to me is a bit of a concern. Um, I'm probably a three and a half out of 10 on Will Gordon in terms of excitement because you you look at the approach game that's not very good. You look at the putter that has been uh, incredibly erratic. Um, I would have concerns about that. Any thoughts on Jonathan Vegas? Jonathan Vegas, so yeah, he always pops up uh, with the driver, right? He's always a very, very good driver of the golf ball. Dare I say elite driver of the golf ball uh, for years, really. So let's see what he's been up to recently. Same thing. Gains a ton of strokes here. Ball striking's been okay. Approach hit or miss, mostly miss. And the putter is weak. Hank Hill says, did someone say blueprint? Mm, I'm not sure this is the blueprint. It's not terrible, uh, but I'm not sure this is the blueprint. I think this is hoping for putter regression or progression, uh, which he gets about 20% of the time. That's that's what it looks like to me, Hank Hill. Here's another guy that I'm getting a lot of questions about that I, I'm not entirely sure why. Ryan brings up Aaron Wise. Let's let's figure out Aaron Wise. I'm I'm not sure why the Yeah, okay. So here's what we've got. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sorry, five straight weeks or starts gaining strokes off the tee. That's great. Approach is fine. Short game, terrible, putter horrendous. Um, I guess that's why if we're leaning into like, listen, I'm leaning into the driver as well as, as being a weapon. Uh, but we're seeing, um, some pretty poor finishes from Aaron wise. I I'm, I'm not, I'm not that excited. I would probably be a four out of 10 who was my, I, I, I like him more than Will Gordon. I'll say that. Hey Rick, when you met, ran your model earlier this week, you seem surprised on how high Finau rated. How are you feeling about him currently? Yeah, I'm like, I'm fine on Tony Finau. Let's let's um let's pull up his golfer profile page. I, I, there's not really a knock here, but there's not really me sprinting to try to get access to Tony Finau. So here he is. He's doing his regular thing where he's gaining a ton of strokes from tee to green. He's fifth in that category. He makes a bunch of birdies. Makes a bunch of eagles. I think he's fine. Let's see what what's his what's his price this week. So he's right here. He's ninety five hundred bucks. Hasn't had a ton of success around this around Quail Hollow. Let's see his full history here. He's played here four times. He's made the cut in each of them, but doesn't have a top 20. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He does. He has 16th place finish. That's his best in 2015. I think it's fine. I'm not, I'm not super thrilled about it, but it's okay. Adolescent Yoda says, thanks for all you do, Rick. Really the best out there. Hey, I appreciate that. Can Denny McCarthy hang... This week with his weakness off the tee seems to be trending in the right direction. I do agree that he's trending in the right direction. I do have concerns about him hanging. He is not. Um, so let me do this. Let me give you just the, the snapshot of Denny from the player profile page. You know, we can look that he is um, getting a hair more accurate, but he's still 113th in driving distance. That would be a little bit of a concern at a course that can get stretched out to 7,600 yards. I love that he's near a zero in terms of uh, strokes gained off the tee. And you're right. A lot of it has been recently. He's been starting to figure out the driver a little bit here. Just be like a zero driver. That's that's the goal. Be a zero driver. Be a, a maybe be plus one off the tee, plus one on approach, and and be the best putter on in the world. That would be really good. I do have concerns this week. Quail Hollow on paper, not 
a very good setup for Denny McCarthy. I think there's better spots for him. Hey, Rick, thanks for your insight. Uh, thank you. You liked Seamus Power last... Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so you liked Seamus Power before he got COVID. Any thoughts on him for this week? Yeah, so uh, I did like Seamus Power. Uh, that was because... So I liked him. It would have been right before the Zurich. So I went out the week before that was the Corn Ferry Tour event here in Vegas. I went out and watched it. Power was awesome. He was striping the heck out of it. Uh, and he finished, I don't know what his finish was, but he had a pretty good finish that week. Uh, so I was stoked about him and David Hearn to play together at the Zurich. He gets COVID. He t- tests positive. He withdraws. Uh, I believe this is his first start back. And he Monday qualified. I think he shot like a 61, 62, absolutely scorching stuff. So I will say this when he's been playing, he's been playing really well. Um, now he's Seamus Powers. This could come crashing down at any moment, but I, I, from what I saw, not only on paper, from what I saw with my own eyeballs, uh, Seamus Power has been very, very good. Load up on Connors after a disappointing T21 seems to be an afterthought this week. Quell Hollow fit his game better than Innisbrook. Um, I guess there is a case to be made about that. So I, I definitely agree with the sentiment about, you know, there was so much momentum behind Corey Connors last week and I mean, a T21 is not disappointing, right? What is the average finish for most guys on the PGA Tour? It's not T21. So it's only disappointing because a ton of us had access or or bet on him or put him in our lineups or whatever. It's only disappointing because he didn't win the golf tournament, uh, which I don't think it's a disappointment. So let's actually look at something. I want to do this about Corey Connors because um, let me show you a couple things. Let's go to the Holy Grail. Let's get rid of this and let's put our time frame to the start of 2021 for all golfers in this field. I'll say yes to that. And we're going to sort by strokes gain total. And the number one player is Johnson Wagner, but he only has two rounds. So the number one real player is Corey Connors, 37 rounds. He's been the best player in this field since the start of 2021, even more impressive, um, I think we all know Corey Connors is great on approach, right? That's where he just fires darts. He's a lot better off the tee than maybe even I realized. So if we go to the key stats model, if we go down to strokes gained off the tee, and if we sort this by really anything you want, here's the last 50 rounds. Corey Connors is second behind only Bryson DeChambeau. Let's make it 40 rounds. He is in the top four. Let's go 30 rounds. He is in the top five-ish, and let's go last 20 rounds. That would be even more recent. He's second behind Bryson, and he actually closes the gap there. So um, however you want to slice this, he is a lot better off the tee than I thought. Now, we know that this course, Quail Hollow, um, it, it is required, almost required, to be excellent off the tee. There are only four other courses on the PGA Tour where strokes gained off the tee was more closely aligned with success than quail hollow. That's the best way that I can frame that. This correlation model. Off, uh, there are only four other courses in which strokes gained off the tee is more aligned with success. So, yes, I will say this, JG. Fire up Corey Connors, no problem. Dan the man says, using your cascading method this week, and Doc Redman is in my core. Do you like his chances this week? Oh, boy. Um, we have gone back and forth on Doc a lot. And... There were signs a couple of weeks ago that things appeared to be turning around. This is really good, right? He gains three strokes on, excuse me, three strokes off the tee at Valspar. That's a great sign. And if we go back further, that is what we were seeing from Doc at the end of 2020 when his game was really strong, right here. Game between two and uh, even five at times, strokes off the tee. Now, he was also marrying that with an excellent approach game. We're not seeing that right now, but we have seen, you know, he gained two at Valero. He gained two at the Players' Championship. He just needs to put all of this together. He's definitely getting better. I think putting someone in your core is a very risky proposition, Dan. So uh, that might be too risky for a core play, but I think that Doc is certainly plugging the gaps. I think he's plugging the gaps is the way that I can, the way that I can say it. A reminder that this, um, this is indeed presented by 
Jock Market. Jock Market is stock market DFS. There is an IPO initial player offering phase that is going on uh, shortly, if it has not started yet, but it ends tonight. It goes off at 9 p.m. Eastern time. That's when IPO closes. So you can go in and you can bid on golfers right now, and you can bid on the share price of golfers. And then depending on where they finish, you get paid out accordingly per share. And you can buy one share, you can buy 100 shares, you can buy whatever you want, uh, and just be in the Jock Market. You can have uh, one golfer, you can have shares of one golfer, you can have shares of 50 golfers. It's just a really cool, different way. And once the tournament starts, uh, this is not over. In fact, it just begins. You can buy and sell golfers throughout the week, which is really cool, especially buying guys who got off to a bad start or putted poorly on Thursday or putted poorly on Friday. And you think they might fly up the leaderboard on the weekend. And just to kind of put this into a bit of an illustration for you, last Wednesday night, Sam Burns cost $5.25. That's what you could have bought shares of Sam Burns at last Wednesday. He won, so the full payout was $25 a share. You made $20 a share. And now this is normally when someone says, but Rick, he was 50 to one. Shouldn't I have just bet him out, right? It's different because if Sam Burns finishes second with your outright ticket, you get nothing. If he finishes second in the jock market, he gets $20 a share. He makes you $15 a share. It's completely different. Your upside might be limited on some of these long shots or capped on some of these long shots, but so is your downside and you're being paid out on every position along the way. It's basically like you're betting an outright, a top five, a top 10 and a top 20 on a golfer. So look at it differently and don't tweet me. Shouldn't I have just bet Sam Burns at 50 to one? It's different. Evan is in the chat. Oh, sorry, Evan. Before I get to that, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time right here, Rick Rungood YouTube channel. There is a stock, a jock market power hour. Joe Iodoni and myself will go through the entire process with you, answer all your questions. It'll be a ton of fun. Sorry, Evan. Large scale one and done. Lowest expected ownership, Connors, Xander, or Homa? Probably not. Homa. I think I've already seen a lot of people like this would be like a really good one and done spot for Homa. He goes back. He's the defending champion. This is an event that, um, or he's, he just played well last week. I, I think he's going to be pretty popular. So it's probably down to uh, Connors or Xander. Xander has been pretty quiet recently. And Xander is, um, of like the 10 K guys. Uh, I project him to be the lowest owned. So I'm going to go with Xander being the lowest might be close though. Cause a lot of people have probably already used Connors and they don't even have access to him and they're not going to be sprinting to use him this week, but I still think it's going to be Xander. Love the content, Rick. The like button has been smashed. Thank you very much. Two V two on DK Neiman and Wallace or Homa and HV three. Ooh, probably Neiman and Wallace. Neiman's like a, on paper, the perfect fit for this. Uh, Homa has obviously won here. Wallace has been great from T to green. Putter are a little scary. HV3, a lot more volatile. Um, still probably Neiman and Wallace for me. Clark says, you sometimes talk about guys who are laying the blueprint. I do. Does that apply to Sung JM this week? Yeah, so probably. Let's pull it up. So he let's 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 do this, Clark. Good question. So we're going to go over to the Holy Grail. We're going to pull out Sung J.M. We're going to look at what he was doing last year when he was winning and what he is doing now. So this is what I mean by the blueprint. So here is Sung J.M.'s win uh, right down. Can you guys see this here? Yes. Honda Classic. So he's gaining, and even weeks before that, gaining a ton of strokes off the tee gaining a ton of strokes on approach. Uh, the putter showing up at times. He was just gaining in every single category. Eventually leads to the victory. Then we run through this stretch of golf. Basically here, the, the end of 2020 after the restart, couldn't find his irons. Then he fixed them. I remember specifically at Wyndham, he was like, yeah, I found something. And he did. Two strokes gained at the Wyndham. And then he gains, what is that? Six out of eight of his events on approach. And you're like, okay, this is it. This is the blueprint. Things are happening. Well, that stretch of golf essentially ended in him finishing runner-up at the Masters, right? That that was that stretch of golf. Then he, he plays all right, uh, has a 12th place finish at the American Express. Then we have this stretch of golf, which is losing strokes in six of seven on approach, but the rest of his game is stout. Off the tee, awesome. Putter, awesome. Around the green, iffy at times, but it's fine. Uh, well, what is he doing recently? So, so in that point, Clark, I would have said 
He's just got to fix one aspect. He's got to fix the approach game. Well, what has he done? Gain strokes on approach at Heritage. Gain strokes on approach at Valspar. He's starting to fix that. So now you're just asking all of these things to click. I do believe Sung JM continues to lay the blueprint. Good call. Jeff says, thanks for the free month. Ever looked at? And then it's blank. So Jeff, you're welcome. I'm, I believe you probably got in from a YouTube draw or a uh, Apple iTunes draw uh, is how you probably got that free month. But your question is cut off. So I have no idea what you're asking, but I hope you enjoy. Who would be the first to complete the hole-in-one challenge? Oh my God. Do, are you reading my mind? My wife and I just watched like every single one of these hole-in-one challenges last night. Who would be the first to compete complete the hole-in-one challenge if the first cut crew... If you're not allowed to leave the course until someone hold out, exclude Greg or Mark or not. Uh, well, it would definitely be, I think it would be Greg, number one. Greg's probably the best. Uh, Mark is certainly can hold his own. So he is definitely second. Probably KP. KP's a pretty athletic guy. Although I will say this. I probably play, play a lot more than Kyle. He's got a lot of kids. He's got a lot of responsibilities. Uh, I probably play a lot more, which is probably handy, but he's a pretty athletic guy. So, Kyle would probably be the first then. Well, if we exclude Greg and Mark and then me, I have no idea how coach can play. I don't know if Sia can play, uh, but we would be there a long time. We would have to live there. Is Tringale going to be the most owned guy in the 8k range? Well, we can go over to the cheat sheet and I believe actually, let me give this a refresh. I just, um, I just pushed an update, but sometimes it takes a few minutes to come through here. There, there was only a couple of small things. JT went up a couple of percentage points. Uh, is Tringali going to be the most owned in the 8K range? I have everybody pretty much under 12%. Now that 12% is Cameron Tringale's right here. Uh, so to answer your question, probably. Oh no, Abraham answer. I have 14%, but that's really it. Most of the guys are between that eight and, and 12 range. I don't see anything too crazy there. Hey, Rick, just bought the subscription. Cool. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Thanks for the support. Thank you for your perspective concerning PGA. My question is, can you talk about one or two players in the mid to late 6,400 that stand out to you? Yeah. So uh, we already talked about Justin Suggs, so you can go back and, and watch that if you if you missed it. The other guy to me uh, is Vincent Whaley. So he's here. He is $6,400. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I want to show this. Let's, let's go to his official World Golf Ranking page because... With the Zurich and all that stuff, there's a lot of it. Just let me just show you everything here. So, since Pebble Beach, he has made one, two, three, four, five, six cuts in a row, but that doesn't include this event right here, the Zurich, where he finished 29th with his partner. So, they made the cut. Uh, so now we've got seven cuts in a row for Vincent Whaley. Well, what else do you notice about Vincent Whaley? Let's do this real quick. Let's do his player profile. And you're going to see it's not super pretty. He's his best category is strokes game putting. He's 84th. He's 109th off the tee. He's 141st in strokes gain total. Now here's the argument against that. He is when he has played well. So here are his logs. He has a 28th at Punta Cana. He has a 29th at the Zurich. He made the cut there and he has a 15th at Puerto Rico. So what does that say? It says his best events don't have strokes gain data. So his, his profile uh, is probably a lot better than we want to believe. So let's just do since let's do since this stretch where he's been. So since Puerto Rico, so that would be 228. So let's do since 228, 2021. All right, so now this looks a lot better. Now I've got a guy who's a po who's positive off the tee, who's a slight negative on approach. He's a zero around the green, and he's a great putter. And this doesn't include his three best finishes. So I would make a very strong argument, I believe, that Vincent Whaley is better than this profile has shown us in the last, again, it's only six or seven starts. It's not a huge sample size. Um, so... As I continue to look at this, I continue to talk myself into Vincent Whaley as my cheap punt play where all I'm asking him to do is make the cut. Father-son combo. Stuart Sink and Ian Poulter both have their sons on the bag. Dads can't miss the cut when their sons are on the bag, right? Uh, I think that is the law. Yes, Tokyo Swan, that is the law. You're not allowed to miss the cut when your son is on the bag. Stuart Sink, no reason to think his great play is going to stop anytime soon. He's been phenomenal. He's long off the tee, a lot longer than people want to give him credit for. He's excellent on approach. I, I can't imagine 
what's going to go wrong there. Ian Poulter, a bit more reliant on the uh, on the short game, which is a little bit concerning. But hey, Stuart Sink, let's fire him up. HV3 or Matt Wallace, I generally ignore these questions because I don't know what you're playing. I don't know what your risk tolerance is. I don't know what the rest of your lineup looks like. I don't know if you're making a bet. I know little about this. I usually try to avoid these questions. I don't know, Matt Wallace. Uh, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. What's up? Thoughts on Zalatoris this week? I feel like I have to start my card in the, in the 9K range, but want to take two of these. If not Zalatoris, is there anybody between 9,600 and 9,000 that you like? Uh, I, I mean, you're never going to hear me say a bad word about what Will Zalatoris. He's he's doing it all right now. There is little concern. There is zero concern about the state of his game. Um, in that range, I think Neiman is going to set up. He just sets up incredibly well for this. He's got 17 consecutive cuts. He's. I mean, I mean, let's just like incredible. It's 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 really incredible. And this is probably going to be the week that he just you know bombs, but he's got 17 cuts in a row. Uh, he is eighth in driving distance. He is very long. He is eighth in strokes gain total. He's 11th off the tee. He hits a ton of greens in regulation. He does it all. He makes a ton of birdies. Um, and he gets to hit that little draw off the tee. And this is to me on paper, a really, really good spot for Neiman, hoping that he can keep that momentum from last week and can keep them, keep the momentum from quite honestly, what is a stretch of really good golf. For single entry or limited entry GPP plays, how willing are you to play one to possibly two chalky plays? Um, yeah, that's fine. Just differentiate yourself, right? So if you're playing the chalky guys, if you have, I don't know, Rom and uh, let's see. Oh boy. Rom and Neiman. I don't know if you could start your team with that. Then just go go get other guys that are like sub 10% ownership and balance it out that way. Not going to let one or two chalky plays determine the entirety of my lineup. If I had to play someone at 72 or 7,300, who would it be? That's a very specific range. How about, so that's everybody from Poulter to Knox. Probably, I hate to say it, probably Schwartzel. Runner up with um, with Louie a couple of weeks ago. Top 25 at the Valspar has a top 10 at this event. Probably, probably Schwartzel. All right, Rick, says Gregory. Rom, Xander, Sink are the three optimal guys. Do we know that already? That'd be great. Need a couple under 7K plays that are going to win me 100,000. Well, talked about Whaley already. Let's see. Um, I'm still, I'm still pretty cool with Phil. Do I have to make the Phil case again? I've been making the Phil. It, I feel dirty with how much I've been making the Phil case recently. Um, cause I'm not really the one pounding the drum for Phil, but uh, go, go look at the stats. The, the approach game, even last week was there. Um, that's what we want off the tee. He's a zero. That's perfect. You look at the history. Uh, you know, who has, you know, the only guy who has more top tens at this event than Rory McElroy. Uh, his name's Phil Mickelson. He's 6,900 bucks. He's got 10 top tens in 16 trips. Just saying. I'm just saying. How do you feel about Ricky Fowler this week? We have not done a Ricky deep dive in a while, and I'm sure my thoughts have not changed. Uh, there's probably little to say that Ricky's going to have a good week. We've been talking about this for a long time. Um, it is basically, I'm going to be late on the party for, for Ricky Fowler. He's going to have to show me something. Gain strokes in every category last week at the, at the Valero. Or I'm sorry, that wasn't last week. That was a month ago at the Valero. Um, that is a good sign. That is his best finish in 10 months, eight months, whatever that is. Uh, there's just too many holes for me. If he's, if he's going to go out and, and gain strokes and all four again, that's great, but I'll be a little bit late on America. I just, I got to see more of it. If I had to choose one, would you go Matt Jones or Emiliano, Emiliano Grillo? I actually like them both this week, so I'm probably not going to choose. Um, Grillo, you know, gets, gets crap for the bad missed cut last week, but if you want to, let's do this actually. Let's do, since the start of 2021, and just sort by strokes gain total, and here's that man, Matt Jones. He's been better than Homa. He's been better than Reed. He's been better than Bradley. He's been better than Answer, Sung Jay, Tony Finau, Russell Henley, Brendan Steele, Stuart Sink, uh, Emiliano Grillo, all these guys. He's been better than all of them. He's right behind Bryson DeChambeau. He's gaining strokes in all four categories. Uh, Matt Jones, to me, is one of the better long shots in this field. 
and Grillo, I think you can get a little bounce back week. So you're certainly not going to hear any complaints from me about that play. So um, I won't choose one, Marcus. They're both great. Single entry. Would you rather have Bryson and Neiman or Rory and Hovland? Ooh, boy. Probably still Bryson and Neiman. I'm I'm bullish on Rory. Don't get me wrong, but I bet him outright. Uh, I don't want to deal with him finishing anywhere between second and second to last. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. I want to I want to only get access to the outright number. Uh, so I would probably in this situation because it's DFS have to go with Bryson and Neiman. Watch you every week, says Cole. Love the content. Thank you. I have Sunday tickets this week. Wow. What group should I follow, assuming they make the cut? Don't follow a group, Cole. That's the dirty little secret. Don't follow a group, especially on Sunday. You're not going to be able to see anything. You're going to be constantly jockeying for position because you're going to try to stand by the tee and you're going to be like six people deep. And then you're going to have to try to go walk up the fairway, or you're going to think you're smart and you're going to go up the fairway while they, uh, go off the tee and then you're going to go up to the green. Everybody does that and you never get close to anybody. Uh, what I would do, here's the secret, walk the course backwards. So if you're at nine green, walk to nine fairway, walk to nine T walk to eight green, walk to eight fairway, walk to eight T walk the course backwards. You get to see everyone. You are going upstream while everyone is going downstream and you can basically stand wherever you want and you get there before. So what ends up happening is then as the big groups come, you're already there before they, before like the people come up to watch. So you could still see them up close. That is the answer. It is the only answer. And I will not hear it from anybody else. That's the way to do it. Hey, Rick, new subscriber. Your content is incredible. Thank you, Dan. Love the player profiles. Can you do a deep dive on Burgoon? Wow. That's a request we have not gotten in some time. So how can I pass that up? Bronson Burgoon. Let's do it. Let me find him in the database here. Bronson. All right. Let me show you my screen. Bronson Burgoon. All right. I don't even know what he's been up to. Here's what I see. It's not terrible. I mean, we've seen guys, how much, how, how expensive is 6,500? We've definitely seen guys in that range that have a lot more red on the screen. Two, he's gained twice off the tee last two measured events. Putters out there, but at least he can gain a bunch. Again, he, he, he loses the benefit of what he did at Punta Cana in Puerto Rico, where he made the cut and doesn't have the strokes gain data. It's not bad. Let's do this. Let's do, let's compare him. So he's about a, a slightly better than zero player um, since let's, well, let's do this. So one, one, 2021 and let's find Burgoon. All right. So he's, uh, he's 0.17 since the start of the year. So if we sort this by price and we go down to like the $6,000 range, uh, Luke, or I'm sorry, Han has been a little bit better. Luke List has been a little bit better. Tom Lewis has been a little bit better, but we're still going further and further down. Um, so here, here's Bronson Burgoon. Of the guys around him, he's definitely better. I'll give you that. So not bad. Who is bad chalk this week? My vote is Aaron Wise. I'm not sure why Aaron Wise is chalk this week. And I did hear I did get the update through here. So so D- Justin Thomas. So let me just do this real quick and I'll update everybody. I my this is bonkers. Here are what I believe to be the highest projected player, the highest owned players of the week. I have John Rahm at 22%. I have Aaron Wise at 19%. I'm assuming it's because he has the runner up finish and the 18th place. That is my assumption. I'm much more of a recent history guy. And especially, like, do you want to be on a 20% Aaron Wise? Even if he wins the thing, like, were you right? I don't know about that. Zalatoris is next. Hovland, Rory, Ricky, Bryson. If you ask me, the bad chalk is Wise and Fowler. I don't, I don't, I don't know how some of these guys get popular sometimes. I don't understand. Jeff says, "Have you modeled paired bets? Example: This week, I got Bubba top ten, top forty, attempting to pay for the higher risk bet with the safer one in the one hundred plus one hundred neighborhood." You you like made an you like made an each way for yourself, but with top tens and top forties. So, um, I don't I don't have a model or anything like that, but it is that is not an uncommon practice. But usually it's with like win and then top five. 
you're doing it differently. I wonder if the odds might be better. I don't know. I'd have to look into that. It's kind of interesting. I appreciate your, um, your creativity. Do you have a formula? Hey, Stu, uh, to use when weighing stats in your model? Yes, of course. If so, uh, yeah. So here's, here's what I do. This is, this is the big thing. This is the huge thing. This is the moneymaker. You go here, you go to the course key stats. It looks like this. You scroll down, you find what the most important stats were. And again, I've, I've said this a bunch of times, but I'm going to say it again because I love this tool um, it, because it is not reactive. You know, so often the thing I hate the most is it says average top five finishers at the Wells Fargo championship gained 3.5 strokes putting. That means nothing. All it says is guys that putted well finished highly. It means nothing. It's about, it's just like saying the guys who played well were higher on the, were better on the leaderboard. No kidding. That's, that's literally how it works. Um, so that is by far the worst, the worst stat you can have. This tool on the other hand, uh, takes the entire season, each season and every single stat for every single player. And it creates a profile of that golfer. And then it looks at the, every event that they played and it says, did they do poorly? Did they do great? Did they do whatever? And it starts to build the, and then it does that for every player at every event. And then it says, okay, what types of players are having success at each course? And what are those players good at? And then I do this and it says, okay, strokes gained off the tee has been those players who are good at strokes gained off the tee have had a lot of success at quail hollow and only four other courses in which that has, they've had more success. Now, then what I do, so then I got, you got to have a little, um, a little, uh, little creativity here. So then I go to the lineup builder and then I have to decide, okay, well, what, how do I want to weigh that? Well, you know, I like to say my most important stat is probably like 33 or 35%. So I would take strokes gained off the tee and I would probably put like 35. And then, um, I don't want to double count things. So like what I might do is I might do like a, a, a weighted strokes gain total where I would do like 15 on approach, uh, 10 around the green, 10 T to green. And then if there are other stats like birdie or better or whatever else pops up here on the course key stats, like driving distance might be on there. Right. So I might do, um, you know, 30 on driving distance and then there's, there's my model. So there's certainly not an exact science, but it all stems from the course key stats page. Thanks for checking in Stu. Hey Rick, love the show. Thank you. I'm in a one and done with my friend and we're about middle bottom half of the pack. What are some crucial stats to look for this week? There you go. I just I just showed them. Off the tee players, be a little bit different. Go use, um, like, if you're at the bottom of the pack and you really want to make a move, maybe use Bryson. Off the tee is important. You want to know about the stats that are important? Or use Rom. John Rom's gain strokes off the tee, 26 in a row. If, you, if you're going to have to be different at some point, you might as well be now. So what's going on with Phil? How do you ball strike as good as he has for the past six weeks and not even have a top 10 finish? Is it just a matter of time? So Phil's kind of weird. Uh, so the putter and the short game hasn't been good, which is usually what we think of when we think of Phil Mickelson. The other thing is, which I can't quantify and I wish that I could, he has been very candid that he's had trouble focusing. I mean, he's over 50 now. You lose your focus. He says when he has to back off or like the wind gusts on him, it's hard for him to get back into the moment. Um, I, Tyler, I'm... I don't know if this is a huge statement because I've never been super optimistic on Phil, but I'm more optimistic on Phil during this stretch right now than I have been in two years or three years. Um, I, it doesn't mean I'm a 10 out of 10. It means I'm like a six and a half out of 10. Like it's, he's doing the right things. He's doing the right things on paper. And now he goes to a course where he's had a ton of success. Throwing it out there. <laughs> Ethan says, you're the man, Rick. I've been following since the Genesis. Love the content. Thank you. Can you look into Michael Thompson? Cheers. Yes, I can. Let me find the old Michael Thompson, who I had to go through and update um, a lot of the tools because there are technically two Michael Thompsons. There's one from like, I don't know when he played, but uh, here is our Michael Thompson, the one we're looking for. Good news, very accurate off the tee. Uh, bad news, everything else. You know, he's not very long. That that would be a concern for me at a course that um, has asked you to be longer, has asked you to gain strokes off the tee. That is really kind of his weakness. He get, He's a lot better when he gets on the putting surface. Um, Michael Thompson, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. I think he's, I think he's nails. I think he plays well at times. I am probably looking for 
a better spot for him. Although to his credit, he's made what four and four cuts in a row, five of his last six on paper, Ethan, this is not a good spot for him. Who would you think is the best non long hitter outsider? Interesting. Um, well, here's what we could do. Let's go to course key stats. Let's go to, so here's what we're going to do. Watch this. You guys are going to love this. Let's do the last 24 rounds and let's do it by off the tee, but find guys that aren't long. Sungjae, 295. Ryan Moore, 286. Michael Thompson, 287. Cam Percy, 281. Ryan Moore would be pretty interesting, right? Because he gains a ton of strokes off the tee. He's like 12th in this field, but he's one of the shorter hitters, 286. Uh, that says he is pounding fairways. So that's where I would go. Very specific question, but I'm glad we could figure out an answer for you. Hey, Rick, who is a must-have in a single-entry lineup? Oh, boy. Um, a must-have. I want to give you a thoughtful answer here. Probably, man, I don't want to say Neiman, I don't think, because I think he's a hair expensive. You could make a case for Keegan. Um, based on this ownership, what he has done recently, and the price, it might be Corey Connors. Like factoring all things in. If I, if I remove a lot of the factors, probably Rom because he's least likely to burn you eight, eight top tens in his last, or yeah, eight top tens in his last 10 starts, 26 in a row off the tee. So take that for what it's worth. Mitch wants to know anybody use super draft, which miss Mitch asks, uh, Mitch Google super draft. My guy, you ask this in every single one. I, I, I wish I did. Cause I wish I could give you a, a really good answer on this, but someone out there has to be doing reviews on super draft. I'm sure they're great. Is Rory a top a, a lock for top ten? Certainly not. Um, I am very bullish on him, but there is a large range of outcomes for Rory McIlroy this week. Hey Rick, out of the guy, I love all these very specific questions. Out of the guys without a tour win, that's awesome. Which guys have the potential to pull it off here at Quail Hollow since the tournament's had its share of first time winners? I wish answer was a hair longer. He might be my answer. Um, how about HV3, right? Home course, played well a couple of weeks ago at Heritage. Uh, or not home, I don't think it's his home course, but he's like a local. Um, HV3, I'm trying to think who else hasn't won. Damon would have been a pretty good answer until a couple of weeks ago. I'm trying to see who else is up. Like, Who's the most expensive non-winner? Answer, I guess. Yeah, probably, probably still answer. Biggie Balls is here. Welcome, Biggie Balls. Let's go. Quick question. Is it uh, not wacky that Fowler opened up in some place at 45 to 1? Just seemed wild that he was shorter. Yeah, I mean, he's always he's always been, I don't know, some, some percentage of points shorter than he should be because of how popular he is. Books don't want to get burned on him. I actually had, let me see. I Did he crack the, I have the William Hill numbers here. Uh, let me just see if he cracked in... Okay, so even in Ricky Fowler's form, he is the one. He has two percent of the tickets, which is more than Harold Varner the third. It is about three, six, nine, about fifteenth, about the fifteenth most bet, fourteenth most bet golfer this week. Uh, got one point three percent of the dollars, so he's even like that's too much. But that's because it's because he's uh because he's Ricky. Oh, there was such a good question. I missed it. Uh, let me roll through some of these. A lot of these I've answered, so I'm going to start moving quick, but I just saw, okay. Anyone besides Rory? Oh, I thought I read that wrong. Um, I guess Rom, but that's not really that great. I no, I actually bet Rory this week and I bet him at Kiowa because if he wins this week, you're not going to get a number on him. I have a lot of Bubba. Talk me off Bubba. I don't think I want to do that. I do like Bubba. Can you rank again? I don't know. I don't know what this is for, but can you rank Will? Answer Neiman. Probably Neiman will answer would be my way to go. Who are some putting regression candidates looking like this week? I'm glad you asked because I actually have a tool for that. 
So I never show this enough, and I should. This should be the entire DFS preview on Monday. This is the trends tool, and it shows breakout candidates, and it shows the way they've been trending, both hitting the ball and putting. Uh, so as of right now, the bottom right-hand corner would be guys that you would want to avoid because they are hitting it poorly from tee to green, and they are getting lucky putting, meaning they are putting above their uh, their long-term baseline, Sun Kang, Harry Higgs, JT Poston, Austin Cook, James Hahn, just naming some here. There's a lot. The other, the other top right would also be guys who are putting above their baseline that I'd be a little bit concerned about, uh, but they're hitting it well from T to green. Joaquin Neiman falls into this range. HV3, Max Homa, Maverick McNeely, even Will Zalatoris, Cameron Tringale. They're putting better than expected. The upper left is the breakout candidates, guys that are hitting it well and putting well below their baseline. Xander, JT, Finau, Satoshi Kadaira, uh, Russell, Henley, Jonathan Vegas, Bryson. Those are guys, Phil, actually, Sungjae. Those are guys that you would look to break out. I love that tool. I should show it more often. With some high chalk, high-end chalk, who are you going to fade this week and why? So I believe I said the worst chalk that I could see was Ricky and Aaron Wise. I just don't get it. Um... So I'm out on those guys. Hey, Rick, updated my pair versus pair game to be a snake draft with best combo score winning the round. Need to rank the top four golfers. So I'm ready to pick. So, okay, so I need to rank these guys. Um, I would go, I mean, they're all the biggest, the, the top five names in the field. This is, they're, they're, it's razor thin. I would go Rom, JT, Bryson, Vic, Xander. Will Cantlay be a factor this weekend? Um, I'll go down with the ship. Yeah, I think so. I just, I refuse to believe that two event, two poor events have ruined him. And also he played a lot better in the alternate shot with Xander Shoffley and no one's talking about him. I actually, I actually bet him as well. I think I placed three bets this week. Um, talked about Phil, talked about Whaley, talked about Justin Suh. Jock market is fun, an alternative to straight out betting and fantasy golf games. Couldn't agree more, Richard. Thank you for checking in. MD says, I'm looking thick today. Thank you, I think. Give me your pick for the PGA Championship winner as of right now, and I'll throw 10K on it. Mm, might not want to do that. I guess you, if, you, if you can afford to, right? Responsible gambling. If you can afford to, you can do it. Go bet Rory. Um, or... Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Will Keegan win this season? You want to talk about guys laying the blueprint. Want to talk about guys laying the blueprint. Keegan's doing it, baby. Keegan's going to win. I don't know if he's going to win. He's going to contend a lot. It, no, my caveat is if he keeps doing this, he's going to contend a lot. If he doesn't keep doing this, it doesn't matter. So this is the absolute blueprint for Keegan Bradley. Phenomenal from T to green always. We know that. Here were his putting totals. At the end of 2020, minus three, minus two, minus three, minus four, minus seven, minus two, minus four. And then he learns to putt at the API. Gains there. Gains at the players. Gains at the Valero. Uh, don't have his numbers from the Zerk, but they finished fourth. Probably gains there. Gains at Valspar. Four of five. I can't find another instance. Actually, I could. It was like five years ago where he gained in four out of five. That is the blueprint. So if he does this, JG, he will contend a ton. Mark says, great job with all the updates to the site. Thank you. Constantly trying to update. Any love for Pat Perez at 7,000? Great course history for his price. So let's look at, here's Pat Perez, 7,000. That's the, this is, let's do the full history here. Full history on Pat Perez. Eighth in 2019. The, the runner up um, was at Eagle Point. So don't be fooled by that entirely. Um, remember in 2017, this event was played at Eagle point because quail hollow was used for the PGA championship outside of that. He still has a 20th in 2015. He has a sixth in 2011. So it's not been bad, but don't be fooled by that runner up finish. It was not at this course and he's done. What has he done recently? I cut, I made the cut to Valspar, made the cut to Zurich. I think it's fine. I hope you're not looking at the runner up and, and, uh, giving him credit for that. Um, I won't do a deep dive, Michael, into Cam Davis, uh, but this would be generally a pretty good spot for him. It is, it is, uh, allows you, allows him to lean into his weapon. Uh, he's got a lot of other flaws that I'm pretty bullish. He's going to be able to figure out, love the raw talent in the kid. It's, um, 
yeah, this would be a good spot. Yeah, Matt Jones, probably my favorite long shot. I mean, I saw I got him at a hundred. I got him at a hundred to one. He's won this year. He's gaining strokes in all four categories. Uh, Matt Jones, very much disrespected in the outright market. Do you have to pay for him to answer the question? No, you have to ask a good question. That's all. I usually go in order. So I'm like probably 30 minutes behind Connor. Uh, but no, you certainly don't have to pay. You think all these people, dude, oh my gosh, could you imagine if all these people were paying? That'd be awesome. They're not. Uh, so we just talk about whatever comes up. If you have, I skip a lot of like the, this person or that person, because there's too many factors for me to figure that out. I'm first in my one and done. I have Hovland, Connor, Xander, and Finau left. Ooh. Ooh. Probably just Hovland. If you're first, you never get to do anything sexy. That's kind of the thing. So you should probably just play Hovland here. Save Xander. I would like, I think Connors is fine, but like, I would like it if, if you were chasing to use Connors because most people probably already used him. Just, you probably just have to use Hovland. Being at first is a curse because you never get to have any fun. Do you like Max Homa to be near the top this week? Seems like he's like, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about Homa. I am actually probably fading Homa this week, quote unquote, because the idea is uh, I'm such a big believer in Max Homa that it doesn't matter if we're here at Quail Hollow, if we're at Riviera, if we're at Valspar, he's playing well a lot of places. I'm so impressed with his game. I think he can contend anywhere that I don't need to pay the price that odds makers, that your fellow uh, peers are going to put the ownership on him, going back to a place where he's the defending champion. I just don't need to do it. I'll wait a week. I'll wait two weeks. Um, so like, I have some matchups that I actually bet against Max Homa because I thought the number was too short, and I thought odds makers um, shorten them up. Now, that is not a knock on Homa. It is actually a compliment to him. I'm pretty much out on James Hahn. You know, he hasn't played particularly well. And even when he did get into contention at the at the waste management, got had a three-shot lead heading into the 10th tee or whatever, just crumbled. You can't even, I don't think you can trust him all that much. Um, is Gooch gonna refund all lost wagers until he wins? I guess if you tweet him, he might. Slippery slope. I I guarantee this week well, there will be more bets placed on Gooch than any other week. That would be my thought. Oh, speaking of paying, um, <laughs> John, John dropped a super chat said, here, Rick, someone gets a free answer. Oh, there you go. John prepaying for someone's answer to a question. Okay. Uh, appreciate. First of all, I do appreciate that. John, let me find a, uh, let me find it. I'll, I'll, I'll do Connor's. I'll do Connor's question. Here we go. Connor, this one, John paid for you. All right, so John pays for Connor's question. Any love for Wyndham Clark this week? Long hitter and makes putts. Let's do a deep dive because John covered uh, the deep dive fee. So let's do Wyndham Clark. Wyndham, Wyndham, Wyndham. What has he been up to? Oh, boy. It's not pretty, Connor. Uh, he is indeed long, but he is losing a ton of strokes off the tee, hemorrhaging strokes off the tee, combining that with a ton of strokes lost with approach historically a good putter doesn't even have that going in the last couple of weeks. This is about three red flags to me. Um, yes, I understand on paper. It's probably better longer term. It's probably better, but this to me is a concern. I could not endorse a Wyndham Clark, but maybe he can figure it out. I don't think so. Can we take a look at Kyle Stanley has decent history here. Would be a great pivot off of wise cheers. All right. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling frisky. I'm feeling good. Let's do Kyle Stanley. Kyle Stanley, classic Kyle Stanley, very good on approach, very good ball striker, terrible putter. Yeah, so this is the same Kyle Stanley we've seen for years, right? Um, you're just hoping to get this week with the putter, 4.27 at the Valspar, marry that with the ball striking week from Valero, and he wins. That's, that's, that's what you're looking for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything else to say here. This is what Kyle Stanley seems to do every single week. Harmon had a win on a different course. This is actually, okay, so this is pretty interesting. Um, so Harmon, I think, is on paper probably going to be, let's see what his ownership is. Okay, only 10%. At the beginning of the week, I probably would have thought it would have been more than that because most people would have thought this seven or this um, win in 2017 was at Quail Hollow. 
he actually finished, I want to say in that PGA championship, I don't have it in front of me, but he had a decent finish, like top 20, I believe. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's not long off the tee. That is a concern, but he has been excellent. Uh, last four weeks, top four, uh, top 13 finishes in all of them. I'm Mike. I think I'm more bullish now on, um, on Harmon than I was earlier in the week. Cause I thought his ownership was going to be a lot more, a lot more high, a lot higher. Sorry. I'm trying to just go back and see some of these questions I might've missed. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm caught up here. Do you think some strokes gain stats are more reliable looking back uh, long-term versus short-term? I, I mean, all of them technically, right? All of them are more reliable looking back long-term to at least create a baseline. Um, putter Putting certainly would be one because you can get hot for a couple of rounds, hot for a couple of weeks. Uh, the baseline is probably more important there. Uh, a lot of questions about Webb. I'll pick this one. I, I think he's fine. I'm average on Webb. He's got a, he's got a place on the course. It's a bit long for him, uh, which would be a bit concerning. He's got decent finishes around here, right? He finished runner-up in 15, I think. Missed a couple cuts. I, I don't mind Webb at all. He's fine. I'm, I'm not sprinting to pay 10200 for him, but I'm certainly not avoiding him if he comes up in any optimizations or anything like that. Golf is boring. NFL, sheesh. Golf is... You, that's why you can nap during golf and not miss anything. It's excellent. How is everyone? Brant, welcome. Uh, yeah, okay. So Shane Lowry's played well, Jared. So Jared says, love your content. Thank you. Thoughts on Shane Lowry. Let's do Lowry because I'm not usually a Lowry guy, but he has uh, he has certainly played better. Let's see if it's fool's gold or if it's the real deal because when he was playing better before, he was relying on the short game. Wow, this is the real deal. I got to admit. I got to admit, this is the real deal, Jared. One, two, three, four, five weeks in a row, gaining strokes on approach. And the last two, which includes the master's data, which is unofficial, but I stand by it. Over five strokes on approach in each of those two weeks. He's gained strokes from T to green in six in a row. I think I can dig it. I think I can dig it in a big way, Jared. Looks good. Um... Not enough Doge, uh, actually zero. I saw it was at six cents like a month ago and I was like, should I buy this? And I didn't. And now we're at what? 60 cents. And it's probably going to go to a dollar. I missed it. I don't know. Should have bought some one more. Let's see. I've got a couple more minutes. Uh, I've, I've got technically one minute, but I'm almost, I'm almost at the end. So let me see if I can run through these. Yeah. So this is a kind of a good point. Bernie says, can we talk about how Henley is 7,900 Henley? Um, Let's just look at it while we're here. Let's just do it right, right? I'm not going to just end leaving you guys hanging. Um, has been one of the best players all year long. Has his worst week in a long time at the Valspar and misses the cut. But look at how great he is from T to green. Look at the ball striking numbers. That usually doesn't stay down very long. I would agree if there's ever a time to buy Henley, it would be right now. I'll be in Vegas for a couple days in June. Any suggestions for fun activities that don't involve gambling? Top golf? Um, go to Circa. Circa's cool. Um, I don't know. If you find anything, let me know. I'll come meet you. Bounce back candidate with win more win equity, Grillo or Henley? Probably ooh, with win equity. Good question. Um, neither of them win enough. Henley. Uh, Chris says, Hey Rick, you're a serious professional. Thank you. Have a feeling about power making the cut. Good bet. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I mentioned it a bit earlier. I saw power in Vegas a couple weeks ago. He played great. He played great for the Monday qualifier. Um, so now he's on a stretch of golf where he's played pretty well for however many rounds it's been. I do not mind Seamus power at all. Hey Rick, uh, can I ask the different calculations that go into strokes gain around the green and strokes gain scrambling and short game? So uh, around the green is its own. That is an official PGA tour stat. It is anything within 40 yards of the green after your second shot. Right. So, um, if you miss the green with your approach, it starts there. Bryson broke this one time when he drove the ball within 40 yards of the green long story, uh, strokes gained scrambling. That's not a thing, or at least I don't believe it is a thing. I don't know what that is. Uh, I call that what I, you have strokes gained short game. That's what I call it. 
that would be strokes gain around the green plus strokes gain putting, which would be strokes gain short game. Uh, the other one is strokes gain ball striking. That is not an official stat. Uh, it is strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain approach that both of those are official. You add them together, you get strokes gained ball striking. That'll do it. One minute of overtime, two minutes of overtime this week, uh, on your way out, hit the like button for me. Thank you all very much for showing up. This is probably the best hour of my week. It's, I hope it's a lot of fun. I hope it is informative and, uh, yeah, I don't know. See you tonight at eight 15 Rick run good YouTube channel, jock market power hour. Best of luck this week. Somebody go win a lot of money. And now I'm going to click the button for the end screen. Goodbye.